This is the Digital Agency Insiders Podcast. Inside, you'll learn how to build, grow, and scale your digital marketing agency all from the comfort of your favorite coffee shop. Let's get started with the show. and welcome again to the Digital Agency Insiders podcast, the podcast that gives you an inside look into how entrepreneurs built and grew their digital marketing agencies. My name is Tabitha Thomas, and if this is your first time listening to the podcast, I want to encourage you to go and hit that subscribe button on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever it is that you're listening to us at. And while you're there, drop us a little review. I'd love to hear what you think about the podcast. Well, today we have with us Keith Perhack. And Keith is a technical marketer who, has, who helps course authors, product creators, and self-funded businesses increase their revenue from existing traffic. Unlike most marketers, he's also a developer, which lets him understand both the marketing strategies to grow businesses, as well as how to implement those strategies. Keith, welcome to the podcast. I'm Habitha. so excited to have you with us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited uh, to be here. Oh, well, yes. Yeah. So... I always like opening my podcast the same way. I love telling the stories of entrepreneurs. And I've said this many times. I feel like a lot of people get it in their head that entrepreneurs have some kind of something in their DNA that makes them who they are. And they're just <laughs> born with this, you know, business sense. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Everybody that I talk to has such a, a different background and how they got to become an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So I love hearing those stories first off the bat. So tell me what your story looks like. What did it look like? Uh, for you. So mine was long. I think we, <laughs> we talked a little bit about it. So originally I'm from Memphis, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. uh, I went to college in, I know, right down the street. Yes. Um, <laughs> went to school in New York and graduated into right after the first dot-com bust. Okay. And I had a design and programming degree, which okay. at the time everyone was like, what do those two have to do together? Because there was there was nothing around that, right? You were either a designer, yeah. or you were a developer, right? Mm -hmm. And it kind of worked out well, but it was the dot-com bust. And so there was no work. So I decided, you know what? I'm going to go teach English in Japan for a year. Always liked Japan. I ended up staying for 15 years. Uh, <laughs> and so what had happened, I started teaching English. That got done. And I decided... I don't like teaching English. I want to do something with the with my skills that I have that I've been working on for mm -hmm. ever. And so I started working at a Japanese startup for six or seven years. And then I started as a as a uh, translator, technical translator, worked my way up. And eventually I was head of all development. I was head of the development office. And then we got acquired. And I said, you know what? I don't like working until 2 a.m. And so I stopped <laughs> and I decided to start off on my own. So I started off as a freelancer working for info product marketers and direct marketers uh, in the U.S. and in Europe. Started off by myself, just doing the work at night uh, and then brought on another person, brought on another person, brought on another person until we were a 12-person agency with, I think at our top, we had like 20-something clients. Wow. Yeah. And this and was all while you lived in Japan? It was all, and not only, I wasn't like in Tokyo or anything, like, middle of nowhere, Japan. Yeah. Like, town of 130,000 people, <laughs> middle of nowhere. Um, I was one of two English speakers that I knew that like lived around. Um, 
yeah, it was, it's exciting. And that, that was one of the exciting parts about it, which was that, you know, people were always saying, oh, I don't live in San Francisco. How am I going to start a business? Like, you don't need to. And that's yeah, the well, great thing. Like you can, with the internet, you can be anywhere mm -hmm. and they really, and your clients really don't care as long as you're available. Yeah. Right. No. So I'm curious. Now you've piqued my interest here. How was it working for a Japan Japanese company, being an American English speaking? I mean, how was that? Was it a struggle when you first started? Well, fortunately, I uh, have studied Japanese for a long time. So I was no one else in the company spoke English. So I was the only uh, English speaker there, and it was, you know, I was lucky because it was my first real job after teaching English. So uh -huh. I didn't have any bad habits. I didn't have any American habits. I didn't have any Japanese habits. I didn't have any expectations of what business should be. So I got in and like, you know, your first job, you're like, you don't know anything. So whatever yeah. they teach you, that's what you expect work to be. And yes. I think that was really good to a degree because I had a lot of Japanese work, work ethic drilled into me. Um, so my entire adult life has been in Japan, right? So I have very Japanese views as to what it means to provide service and to be a craftsman and to be an artist or uh, artisan, artisanal, a uh, someone yeah. who builds stuff. Yeah. Um, so how does that vary from the American version of things? I mean, does it, is it drastically different? There's a sense, I, the biggest thing, and this caused an issue with the agency when I was running the agency, um, one of the biggest issues is expectation of what needs to be said and what does not to be, be said. When I, for example, if in Japanese society and for myself, if I say the client really wants to get this out by Friday, that means uh -huh. come hell or high water, this thing's coming out by Friday. <laughs> and for when I said that to my team, they're like, yeah, we got this. We got this. And Friday comes around. They're like, we don't got this. <laughs> and it's not, it's, and in American culture, I think that's more, there's more leeway. There's more of, hey, you got to keep pushing this. You got to be very specific where in Jap Japanese society, it was much more understated. If the yeah. boss says like, hey, wouldn't it be great if we did this? That's not a, that's not an ask. That's a, that's a command, right? Oh. And so getting used to that understatedness when working with Oh, my team who are all Americans was very difficult uh, for me to get over and to really change the entire way that I speak um, yeah. so that people understand what I'm saying. Um, my, my favorite one is like, we've been, we've been, I've been dealing with a lot of legal stuff recently and the people who say the most get the most stuff. So I'll call in and say like, hey, what can we do here? Like, let's A, B, C, D, let's do this. Where in Japan, I just call in and say like, hey, what, what's going on? And, the, and that's the expectation of, oh crap, this person is not happy. We need to fix it, <laughs> right? Gotcha, okay. So it's, it's a very, yeah. And I mean, the, the good side of the whole Japanese work ethic is that like, I don't like putting out things that are half baked. Yeah. I don't like, I, I also work way too much because that was instilled in me. I'm finally getting over that. But I used to work 14, 18 hour days like nothing. I, oh, was wow. just, I mean, when I was working in Japan uh, as a salary man, I'd leave the house at I think seven and I got home usually at 11. Wow. Wow. So, yeah.
Wow. Yeah, no. But that's just what it was. That's yeah. that's what that's the whole that's the culture. So. Yeah. I don't know that I would survive over there because I'm in bed by then. <laughs> <laughs> I am now. Man. Yeah. I think it helps that I was really young because now like I'm hitting 40 and I'm like, I don't know if I want to stay up past nine. Like mm-hmm. I put the kids in bed. It's like, I think I'll go to sleep now. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's funny how it creeps in earlier and earlier as the as the kids get older and gets back and back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So now that you've started your own agency, you started it in Japan, and I'm assuming you moved it to the U.S. when yep. you moved back. Um, what is the what was the core service that you had in that agency? Well, that was really interesting because we started out. It was a very organic growth. Like we never started out like, oh, this is what we do, and it mm-hmm. became a huge problem because we worked with a lot of really top level um, digital marketers and stuff. And we really did everything. Like they would say, hey, we need to stand up this marketing campaign. And we would write the emails. We'd um, put together the technology. We'd set up the webinar. We'd program stuff. Like we'd do all this stuff. And so when new clients came to us and they'd be like, we want to work with you. What do you do? We'd say, I don't know. <laughs> like we do everything, right? <laughs> and so one of the core things that we did that really improved our conversion rate of getting new clients and for really making clients happy was we settled on a specific niche and we focused on conversion rate optimization for evergreen funnels. And that is the only thing we did for that initial project. And of course, as I'm sure any agency knows, it expands out. Like you do a great job in this and they're like, well, could you do this? Sure, we can do that. Could you do this? Sure. And suddenly you have like a $50,000 a month contract because you're doing Mm -hmm. everything but Mm -hmm. you can't start out there because no one if you say you do everything no one knows what you do and so we started out with that very specific you get us the traffic we'll take it from there as long as you can get traffic on this page we will take it from there and make sure they convert nice that is incredible yeah I, i love niching down i was scrolling through facebook the other day and i saw this ad for, you know, teaching marketing of some sort, but it was geared towards um, ministry, people that are working Mm. in the ministry. I was like, that is a niche that I've not seen yet. So I was like, oh, there's, you know, it really caught my attention because it was very much so niche down. So I'm assuming that you worked with a gambit of different people because it's not just one industry when you're doing webinars and that kind of stuff. So I'm sure it was a huge range. We did. We, We started out very much in the business advice uh, I always called them self-help for the internet. Um, but like, you know, Ramit Sadie, Eben Pagan, those types of, um, people who want to be entrepreneurs or to build products. And then we moved a lot into the health niche, which we did for a while, probably the strangest, and I don't want to say strangest niche, but most niche niche we've ever worked in was trainers for dog trainers. They were not actually the dog trainers. They were the people who did the certification to teach you how to do training for dog trainers. And there's a bit, it's a big industry. I was like, there's no way there's more than one of these. Right. And it's a, it's a huge industry. And I have found, cause I saw the same thing with um, yoga. I saw the same thing with Tai Chi there being a certification system for some sort of professional is uh-huh. amazingly a good niche and amazingly profitable. Like, dog walkers, dog trainers, like Tai Chi teachers, yoga teachers, you make more training yoga teachers as you do than you do as a yoga teacher. Yeah. Hands oh, down. I believe that. Yeah. I understand. 
And it's probably a lot easier to do that than actually <laughs> show up every day. Exactly. <laughs> people like me that don't know how to, you know, stand up on my own two feet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what kind of equipment and software were you using to make all this happen for all of your clients? So that was the frustrating part was that there was none. And so our CRMs were always things like Infusionsoft or Drip or Aweber way back in the day. Um, anything that could bring people through a marketing funnel and then be able to judge, okay, did they purchase or did they not? And that's one reason I, I still like Infusionsoft is that it connects everything together. Everything's in one system. So there's no miscommunications going on, mm -hmm. which I really like. Um, but back in the day, you know, we didn't have a lot of this technology. Back in the day, I feel so old. But like, uh, so for example, for one of our clients, do you know proof is that little thing that pops up that says so-and-so just bought yep. this, this yep. product? We use that on some of our stuff. Yeah. Yep. So we built that seven years ago, eight years ago for a client because it's a great piece of technology. It really helps conversion and there was nothing out there. We built webinar software because there were no, there was no ever webinar webinar jam back then. Yeah. Right. Like we had a raw video feed and we had a page and we need to be able to manage all that. So we did that yeah. kickoff labs that does the viral contest, which I really like. We had to build that. So we didn't have any of this technology, but the number one piece that we didn't have that we absolutely need, like all this stuff now exists. The number one thing we needed was some way to measure how things were converting. And this was the, I mean, cause we're conversion rate optimization experts. If we yeah. can't say people came in, did these four things and then converted and then be able to say of these four things, this one's the most valuable or this one's not valuable. We need to fix yeah. it. Like we can't do anything. Yeah. And so we would get on, it's so funny cause we'd take like four hours. We'd pull all these Excel docs. We'd put them together a nice PowerPoint presentation. We'd be going through the presentation and say, okay, Facebook traffic's doing this. Um, AdWords are doing this. We're getting social here. And then they'd say, well, yeah, but what about 25 to 30 year olds within that Facebook group? And I'm like, give me eight hours to pull that number. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because we don't have, like, we don't have it right there because we had to pull all this manually. So mm -hmm. what we actually did was build our own software um, in order to measure that, which is to take essentially all of our contacts, all the purchases they've ever made, and then all of the ads they've clicked on, the pages they've looked at, and turn that into a single customer journey that we can then look at all the way down in an aggregate. So we can say, people from Facebook are worth, who opt in for this PDF are worth $100. People who do that and attend the webinar are worth $200. If the people from Facebook age 25 to 30 are worth twice as much as people over 60. And we can just yeah. pull all these numbers in real time because we have the data. So we don't have to bring them into Excel anymore. So this was honestly the game changer for us as an agency, which was, okay, these reports that took us four to five hours a week that A, we hate putting together because it's boring work. Mm -hmm. And B, as soon as they have a different question, um, are useless. And mm -hmm. then also are prone to errors because it's all manual. So yeah. being able to take that and then saying, okay, click these two buttons or save the report. And now you have that exact answer was was just a game changer for us. So I can only imagine being able to prove what it is that you're doing. Um, so is that something that you've taken and you're still using in your agency or is this a software that you've kind of taken and that's what you're going towards now? That's actually what we're going towards now. So we started that six years ago, 
I want to say. And then we actually started, we just launched it. We were like, oh, someone else will use it. And then a lot of people started using it. We're like, wait a minute here. And suddenly we're, we're getting up and suddenly it's eclipsing our agency work. Wow. And at that point we were like, well, let's make a decision here. Um, we're, we were so, and this was funny because all of our, all of our employees at the, at the agency, everyone we're working with was always like, you know, we do these 20, these 10, $20 million launches for a client and we still get paid by the project, right? We're not making a percentage on this. We don't get commission on this. Mm -hmm. So like, what if we were able to do this for ourselves? And it's like, what if we're able to do these big launches? Cause we have the knowledge. Yeah. Why can't we do it for ourselves? And so that was kind of the, the impetus of like, well, why don't we start the, let's just try it. And so yeah. we tried it and started taking off and suddenly we're like, all right, well, let's, let's figure out what's next. And so we've actually been transitioning. It's a year, uh, 13 months today. And we're, we've been transitioning off uh, solely from that agency stuff. I think we have like a handful of clients left. Yeah. But everything's in the software that we've kind of made this journey. It's interesting to look at because, you know, I, I went from English teacher, which is like, it's like a part-time job to, to a salary man, <laughs> uh -huh. to a freelancer, to a having like a subcontractor that's helping me out to a small agency, to a 12 person agency, uh, dealing with both the Japan and the American side, and then moving to a single consultancy and then to the software. And it's like, I think at this point I've done every single thing that you can do as a marketer. Like, yeah. I think other than launch a a uh, information product, I think I've done everything. So ah, that's coming. That's coming. <laughs> we, we are. I am writing a book because Lord knows I don't have enough on my plate right now. So, so the one thing that I didn't ask is what is this uh, software called? Oh, so the software is Segmetrics. Um, I'm actually wearing the shirt. Um, nice. But yeah, data so beats opinions. I like it. Yeah, data beats opinion, which kind of is our calling was what we really pushed when we were when we were doing all the agency work, which is people would be like, I think this button should be blue. I'm like, let's test it. Let's figure mm -hmm. out what it should be. Like, let's yeah. see, like you are not your customer. Yeah. Let's see what the customers want. How many times can we preach that? You are not your customer. <laughs> and it's so funny because now I'm looking at it, you know, working on the software. I now have my own product that I'm looking at with the same eyes that all my clients did. And I'll talk to some of my agency friends and they're like, well, you should do it this way. I'm like, that's the exact same advice that I would have given myself <laughs> or given my clients, yeah. but I can't see it because I got these blinders on, yeah. right? I've got these blinders on and I can't see the product for myself. And it's frustrating. Yeah. So well, it's, it allows you to put yourself in different shoes. And if you ever, exactly. if anytime you are able to do that, you're better able to serve the, your, your customers, mm -hmm. much better able to serve them. So what does the service cost right now, the software? So it depends on how many contacts you have and a lot of factors like how many ads you run, blah, blah, blah. But mm -hmm. generally it's around a hundred to $200 for most of our customers. Um, which I mean, if you are a mom and pop shop, like maybe not so worth it. We do have a hobby plan that's cheaper, but where it's really being effective. And it's funny because we originally targeted this at our customers at the agency. So we were gonna target people like Evan Pagan or whatever, uh -huh. uh, the product creators, right? The, the personalities. And those are not the people who wanna use the software. They need the information, but they're not gonna log in. They're not going to edit this thing. And so we're like, oh, 
wait a minute, our biggest customer is, duh, ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so it's other agencies. And so when you're looking at an agency and you maybe have a junior guy or maybe you're a smaller agency and it's you spending two hours a week or three hours a week or five hours a week per customer to pull these reports, suddenly you start saying, well, okay, it's a hundred dollars a month or like what, 20 bucks a week. Mm-hmm. This becomes very worth it very quickly. And it's funny because we always, we never did ads. We never did because we never did traffic. Right. Yeah. And so as an agency, we never did ads. And the reason we didn't, because we, whenever we did them, we were good, but we didn't like pulling those reports every week. It was, <laughs> it was horrible. We did not want to do it. Yeah. We did not want to touch it. We did not want to look at keywords. We did not want to look at images. We just like building the strategy and building the ads is great. It was super enjoyable, but actually reporting on every, and I think there's a lot of agencies like that. Like yep. we did not get into the agency business in order to put reports together. No, no. We like the creative and the the, mm-hmm. the challenge of making things work. Yeah. The, the Excel spreadsheets is the bane of my existence. <laughs> And I think it's interesting because I think a lot of us enjoy putting together the template for those reports, right? We like putting together like, this is the awesome thing we're going to show all our clients. And they're like, who's going to fill it out? It's like, not me, no touch. Mm -hmm. Not it. (laughs) (laughs) That is exactly right. So do you guys do any white labeling service for agencies with that software? I thought we would. And this is interesting. I've, I've always said, so we get this question maybe once every six months. And we're like, yeah, if you have a need for it, then definitely we will put that in there. Uh, We just haven't had anyone say, yes, I definitely want this yet. And everyone on the initial calls is like, well, do you do white labeling? It's like, as soon as you ask for it, you will have it. Yeah. And they've never asked. Crickets. No one. Um, We do have dashboards that people can embed into their Notion accounts and into their Asana things and stuff that are auto updating that I think has the use case for most people. Like, they don't want their clients to be able to log in anyway. So they don't yeah. really need the white labeling. All they want is that report. Yeah. And they just stick it on, they stick an auto updating one inside their, whatever they're, they're doing the reporting with gotcha. and then they're done. Okay. So well, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. It's actually interesting because that was one of the first things we came to once we realized we want to go after agencies. Like, okay, we're going to have to have this big agency thing with all this white labeling and just no one like, Everyone mentions it once and then I never hear about it again. And it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not going to put it in the work if it's not going to get used. I mean, it's but, not it's not a huge issue. Like it would probably take us a week tops, but still it's like, okay. Like, <laughs> I love it. I love it. So how are you onboarding people when they come through and use your software for the first time? Poorly. <laughs> <laughs> No, so this is an area we're working on. It, it mo- Man, software, it's so different than an agency. Yeah. Um, it's more similar to info products because, you know, as an agency, you don't have a support team, right? Yeah. You have account managers that are there, yes. but it's very one-to-one right. and it's a very different relationship. We actually started, I'd never had to hire a support person before. And we started hiring last year for support. It has been interesting. Um, and there's a big dynamic between how much the support person needs to work or how much the support team needs to work and how much 
you can improve on the software side. So it's, it's this balance Mm -hmm. and it's a really hard balance to do. So right now onboarding is our, our top priority right now, trying to make that more understandable and clear. But in the interim, what we're doing is everyone gets on a call with me. So I do. And we used to only have this at higher tiers, but I said, this is probably the most important part of the, of getting people up and running. And Mm -hmm. I said, everyone who signs up gets an hour call with me where we'll go in and set them up. If they have any questions, we can get that set up. We can build out their reports and everything and whatever it takes to get them set up and running, we're willing to do it. And so it sounds great on paper. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of work. I started work. to say, how many hours a week are you spending doing these onboarding call type things? Less than Jap- than I did working in Japan. But that, <laughs> well, I mean, it's not saying a lot because you worked a lot in Japan. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, it's it's not as horrible because not everyone takes you up on it, right? So I'd say we have maybe a 50, 60% uptake rate on that. A lot of people don't want to get on a call. They'd rather just email and support or figure it out themselves. But we at least put that offer out there. And especially for agencies who are bringing on a number of clients, they want to know, okay, how do I get this stuff up and running as fast as possible? If we can set it up for them, that's even better. Yeah, Um, always. And that's what we're doing as we're trying to figure out. And it's just a long process of how do you make that onboarding smoother for everyone else. Yes. So have you ever noticed a correlation between people sticking with the software, those that are doing the onboarding with you and those who aren't, are those dropping off? Are you losing anybody compared to those two? It's interesting because people who don't reach out at all, yes, there's a much lower yeah. uh, rate, but I haven't seen necessarily an uptick of people who reach out through email versus mm-hmm. get on the call. Okay. It doesn't seem to be different. Although I will say that agencies have a much higher rate of getting on that call mm-hmm. um, because they do have, they'll bring on two to three to four clients and they want to make sure that everything is set up. And also having run an agency, we don't have time to screw around with this stuff. No. Like we don't want to figure <laughs> out a new piece of software. And that's why we have these dashboards. And, and the number one thing is like, A, Help us make sure that all of our, as the agency, help us make sure that all of our stuff is set up correctly. And B, can you help us set up our first dashboard? I'm like, sure, let's do it. And that's, I mean, that's the core part. And then from there, they can, we have support and they generally can figure it out from there. But it's that first hurdle of, okay, let's get this first report for this first client. Awesome. Awesome. So what is, you know, you've, you've done a gambit of different things throughout your life. What's the most favorite thing that you're doing right now when it comes to the software type side of things? That's, I think that's the problem. And that's why I was not good at the agency. Uh, and is why I'm good at the consulting, um, which is I don't like doing repeated things. I don't like doing the same thing over and over. Um, and I, I, I'm interested in so many things. I like the marketing side of it. I like the design side of it. I like the, the programming side. I think the, man, it's, it's funny how such a simple question could be so hard when you like it all. Um, <laughs> it's much easier for me to talk about the things I don't like. <laughs> Let's talk about that then. What do you don't like do, about it? I don't like reaching out to people, which is odd. I don't like cold emailing or uh-huh. like setting up promotions or anything. I really don't like doing that. Um, okay. I love talking to people. Like 
as soon as I get on one of those kickoff calls or if I get on an interview like this, or if I do, yeah. once I'm on a call with someone, I love it. I love yeah. talking to people, but it's something yeah. about that first hurdle I absolutely hate. Um, yeah, I think that, that's the, that's the, I think I like everything. I like the marketing. I like the design. I love the development. I like building systems. I yeah. like having organized things that help people move forward with their business. Um, and I think that's also the downfall is that I like building those big systems instead of uh, doing what I probably need to do, which is emailing people and, yeah. and getting on it's calls. Like that, that sounded like a spoken developer right there, mm -hmm. <laughs> like creating the stuff. Yep. Well, that, I actually, so our, our marketing man, no, the, it ties back to this. The mar our marketing manager uh, in December, she's like, okay, what's on your plate? I'm like, well, I'm going to build these four new features. And she's like, well, what about the four features you built last month? I'm like, they're done. It's like, does anyone know about them? No. No. She's like, <laughs> stop building. How many, she was like, how many features do you have backed up? I'm like, 20. <laughs> and she's like, for the next three months, you're going to be emailing people about all these features you've built mm -hmm. instead of building new features. So. Mm -hmm. Oh, that is such a developer, such a developer. <laughs> <So> <laughs> Guilty uh, as charged. Yes. Yeah. Not, I didn't mean it in a negative way, but that's such a, such a developer type. I own it. I own it. Type of comment. So how are you guys getting in front of agencies right now to introduce your software to them? How are you getting out there and about? So partnerships have been our biggest one. So, you know, we integrate with a lot of tools. So mm -hmm. um, getting the integrations built for like Shopify or Drip and getting in those marketplaces and then getting in front of them at conferences and going to those events sponsoring events has really been the big one we've just started again with ads uh mm -hmm. targeted specifically at different integrations so if you're on convert kit and you look up uh convert kit lead attribution or convert kit um conversion rate then mm -hmm. will pop up um so that's what we're kind of doing now the longer term is more influencer partnerships mm -hmm. because especially in the marketing agency world that's how people get known you say that's why when someone when someone's like oh what tool should we use well ryan dice uses this okay mm -hmm. it works for ryan dice let's use that and that's yep. we have those connections but i haven't leveraged them how i want to yet and so that's something that i think we want to push into next I like it. I like it. So do you guys all work in one central building or are you guys all 100 percent from remote. home? Yeah. So, I mean, because when I started with the, the Japan side, we were 99 percent remote. We had two workers in the Japan office. And then when we moved here, we had three workers in the or three people in the, the Portland office. But since then, we've just been fully remote. Um, nice. We're mainly on West Coast Central. So but yeah, we're all over and it, gotcha. it works out I great. Like it. That's exactly what our team is. We're all remote and we love it. Do you guys ever get together like face-to-face -face meetings just to have a little bit of powwow time together? We haven't done an official one yet. We've done a couple where it's like, we'll be going to the same event or we'll make sure we're all going to the same event, but we haven't done like a, like a retreat yet. And yeah. that's, that's definitely on the books. Oh, um, totally do that. We did that not long ago in Nashville. We actually put on an event. So the day before the event, we all got to meet each other and nice. it's like, you are a lot taller than I thought you would be. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, it was kind of nice. So I love ending these podcasts with tell me what you're currently reading or listening to that is helping you grow as a business owner. Not as much anymore, to be honest. I, up until about three years ago, I was reading everything. Turn the ship around is really good. Okay. Um, spin selling, probably my favorite book on how to position and sell products uh, and uh, products and services, how to sell mm -hmm. stuff. Um, those are probably my two favorite books as far as it applies to the business side of things. I've been trying to read a lot more fiction because I just feel I'm overwhelmed. And so trying to go back into more enjoyment stuff, just trying to uh, defrag, too much business to it. defrag. I have yeah. so many ideas. I mean, I go to all these conferences. I have notebooks and notebooks of conferences. And I went back over them and was like, haven't done that, haven't done that, haven't done that. It's like, okay, I need to stop learning and I need uh -huh. to start doing. Implementing. So yeah. that's where I am. And so the podcasts I listen to right now, Startups for the Rest of Us and okay. Bootstrap Biz are probably mm -hmm. my two favorites. Um, and those are essentially my shower podcast. And that's about it. Because I don't have a commute either. It's like, uh, yeah, it's, it's ironic. It's like, I don't have time to do those study things that most people get to do either on their car commute or their train commute or whatever. Um, so it's either just ah, working or yep. it's, I just want to sit in a puddle. So. Yeah. Well, it's not just, yeah. When you work from home, you get right to work and you get busy. And then by the end of the day, you're like, okay, time to go do stuff with the family and, you know, cook dinner and all that fun stuff. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> all right, Keith. Well, thank you for being with us. The one thing I didn't ask, how do they get to your software? What's the website? So just look for segmetrics.io okay. and, or just look for segmetrics and we're number one. We are number one. Uh, <laughs> and then you can always look for me, Keith Perhack. Uh, there's only one of me in the world as I found so far. So nice. anything that you search is probably me, which is really bad for some of the stuff I wrote 20 years ago on the internet. So I'm just trying to bury <laughs> that, Everything as, haunts you. <laughs> bury it down as much as humanly possible. So <laughs> just shows growth. It just shows growth. Exactly, exactly. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast and we'll see you guys all next time. Thanks so much. You've been listening to the Digital Agency Insiders Podcast. For more tutorials on growing your digital marketing agency, make sure to visit digitalagencyinsiders.com.